Great time of year. We're going to, at this point, uh, worship the Lord uh, by taking up an offering like the three wise men who came to the Christ child and gave them, uh, offered up, expressed the, the worth that this child, this king had to them by bringing them uh, their best, So bringing him their best. So also we, we give to the Lord back a portion of what he's blessed us with. The Bible says that every good gift comes from the Father above, and all that we have, we have by virtue of God's grace. Um, it, it's a blessing that he's bestowed on us. And that we have the privilege, the opportunity, to give back a portion of that to the work of the kingdom, uh, to the, the cause of Jesus Christ. And so we worship the Lord. We ascribe worth to God. We ascribe what priority He has in our life by not only what we sing, but by how we live and by the priorities we live with. So I'd like to pray at this time for the offering and, and also for the message. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your presence here tonight and for the penetrating love that you have expressed in Jesus Christ, but not just in the past, but even now, tonight, Lord. Your love surrounds this place and every person who's in this place. I pray, Lord, that as we're sitting here together celebrating your birth, we would sense that and it would transform us. Lord, uh, we pray, God, that your wisdom would be on those who steward these finances, God, to use them wisely for the furthering of your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be working in our hearts to create kingdom principles in our hearts, Lord, as we just, God, ascribe worth to you by giving back to you a portion of, of the blessing that we have, Lord. We acknowledge with gratitude how blessed we are, what a blessed people we are, and we don't want to take it for granted, Lord. Uh, Lord, we use it to the furthering of your kingdom. So let your spirit reign here during this uh, worship of offering. And then, Lord, let your spirit reign as the message goes forth. God, I pray that you'd uh, open up our minds and open up our hearts to be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to speak a little bit here on one aspect of, of the whole Christmas message, the Christmas story. The aspect I want to speak on is about Mary. I don't think I've ever in my life preached a message on Mary before, but I felt led to do so uh, here tonight. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and I'm actually going to read uh, a portion of Scripture leading up to the one that I had planned that's going to be on the, the screen here. Just because during this time of year, it's, it's just good to read larger portions of that narrative, remind ourselves what it's all about. Luke chapter 1. It says this, In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, the angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call him Jesus. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am still a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. When Elizabeth Later on, skipping a couple of verses here. When Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, that was John the Baptist, 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of His servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. I want to read one more portion of Scripture, a little different tone. I preached on this yesterday. It's the nativity story out of the book of Revelation. Revelations chapter 12, and I'll read verses 4 and 17 through 18. Then the dragon, which is a symbol of Satan, stood before the woman, that's Mary, who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. Later on it says, The dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Then the dragon took a stand on the sand of the seashore. I um, have always had an interest in Mary, even though I've never, I don't think, I don't recall, preached about her before. But as a young child, five, six years old, I had sort of this infatuation with Mary. I was in love with Mary. Um, I had a troubled home. Uh, I didn't get along with my stepmother at all. Uh, and I think there was just a need for a mother figure in my life. And Mary kind of filled that void. It was also the case that I, I went to Catholic school as, starting in first grade and um, immediately started getting into trouble. The, the nuns and I never got along. Uh, I, was, I was just had a, had a talent for getting them aggravated. Um, I, I was, got involved in a lot of things that uh, usually six, seven, and eight-year-olds don't get involved in. I was in certain clubs. We had, we had a smoking club. When I was, uh, I was seven, eight years old, the kids in the block would get together and smoke, and we had other clubs I'm not going to mention. And uh, so here's the thing. I, I, I always felt like I was bad. I always felt like I was dirty. I always felt like I was unacceptable to God. I was always in trouble with authorities. And I really didn't think I had much of a hope with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Mary, just maybe. Uh, you know, if I had a shot at heaven, it was going to be through Mary. She seemed so sweet and so serene. All the statues uh, in, in the church had this, this, this radiant face. And I was in love with Mary. And I thought my only hope is, is found in Mary. I would uh, think about her a lot. I love to pray the Hail Mary. There's one time at my first confession, in fact, when the priest gave me a long assignment of different prayers because I had a whole boatload of sins I had to uh, get rid of. And, uh, and he gave me some Our Fathers and, and some other prayers. And I, I requested, can I, can I trade in a couple for some Hail Marys? I, I, I really like the Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That's my favorite prayer. I remember the nuns telling me, you know, if you want to get to the son, you, you just got to, you know, talk to his mother. And so I thought, that's my ticket, that's my ticket. So I, I, I talked constantly to Mary. Now, I, I later on in life, became a, 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 was saved at the age of 17 in, in a Pentecostal church, a Protestant church, and they didn't make a whole lot of Mary. In fact, they really downplayed the significance of Mary. 
And I came to learn that, in fact, I, I, I don't think it's, it's the Bible usually, the Bible is, is against talking to dead people and praying to dead people. I think the Lord, when I was a young child, to be honest with you, I, I think the Lord showed me an aspect of His love, and the only way He could get it through to me was through this figure uh, of Mary, because Mary got me through a whole lot as a kid. Uh, it, it, it really was a saving grace there. But later on, I learned more about the Word and, and how you know, we should just be praying to the Lord and, and talking to the Lord. And so there was this kind of overreaction against this whole thing about Mary. But as I've, especially this season, thought about it, I wonder if there isn't a little bit of an overreaction there. I want, to, I want to talk about what it means to honor Mary. What do you do with the passages that say that she'll be called blessed for all generations and that she is favored? There's something there, and I think there's something of great value for us uh, to think about. So I'm going to look at three areas where I think we uh, can biblically honor Mary. The first one... It's going to be a little surprising to some of you, but I, I, I can argue from Scripture. I think we should honor Mary as our spiritual mother. Now, we call, we call Abraham, uh, you know, the father of all who believe. He's our spiritual father. By the same token, I think we can call Mary, in one sense, our spiritual mother. And there's something significant about that. The Bible says that, uh, that, that believers are a new humanity, that in Christ we're made into a new humanity, Ephesians chapter 2. God really is doing a new thing here on the earth. When Christ came, something radically different was introduced into the world. It was nothing less than the Lord starting a new humanity, different from the humanity that was started with Adam. It literally is, it says in Ephesians 2, a new human race. Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom God foreknew, this means He loved ahead of time, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. I don't believe He predestined you to be among those who He foreloved. But if you are, if you say yes to Jesus Christ and you're part of the church, this much is predestined of you. You'll be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. Christ is the firstborn within a large family. He's the first brother, and now he is acquiring brothers and sisters. This is what the Lord is doing. This is how the Lord is building his kingdom. He is growing a family of people. And like any family, this family uh, begins to take on the resemblance of, of uh, the one that we're under. We begin to look like Christ. We're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. The Lord grows His kingdom one soul at a time as a person says yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they become part of the family of God, part of this new human race uh, that is being grown here. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, here's why we begin to take on this family resemblance. It's because we're born of the same seed. Peter says, you have been born anew, not of perishable, but of an imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring Word of God. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're born again. Now you're born into the kingdom of God. Only unlike your first physical birth, this birth is not perishable. Your first birth gives you a physical life, but that life is perishable. We, 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 we acquire diseases. We get old. Uh, we, we tend, we, eventually we die. But the seed of those who are part of this family of God, this new human race, this new thing that God is doing in this world is imperishable, praise God. We have received, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive, as it were, a new sort of DNA, 
uh, a spiritual kind of DNA. And this DNA, it never grows old, praise God. This DNA does not get diseased. This DNA is not corruptible. This DNA is not perishable. The Bible says it is eternal life, praise God. We acquire eternal life. The new thing that God is doing, and it originated with Mary, this, this, this new family, this new race that, that the Lord is bringing about, is the race of all those who have an imperishable seed, the seed of God planted within them. We are Christ's brothers. He was the first one of the human race uh, to fully manifest this new life, this new thing that God is doing. And Paul says that that makes him the firstborn among a large family. And that makes, in that sense, Mary our spiritual mother. That's why it says in Revelations chapter 12 that the devil declared war on the rest of Mary's children. We're not her physical descendants, but we are her spiritual descendants because we align up with Jesus Christ, the firstborn of a large family. Mary, then, is to be honored in this sense. Not in the sense that we should pray to her, but in the sense that we should remember her with honor as the one whom God used to bring about this new thing, this new human race, this new family. A race of people who war against the devil and will be victorious against the devil. Amen? A race of people who, in whom the life of Christ is growing. A race of people in whom the Spirit of God is flowing. A race of people whose minds and whose hearts and whose lives are growing in conformity with the will of God. A race of people who have within them an imperishable seed that will conquer death. It will conquer the grave. It will conquer sin. It will conquer evil. It will conquer everything that has ever opposed God. And a race of people, a family of people who then will reign with Christ forever and ever and ever when the world finally is the world that God always intended the world to be. And Mary is the originator of that. And we honor her as the one through whom that all came. Secondly, we should honor Mary in this sense. Honor the faith that she had, the faith of our mother, and we do it by imitating it. Mary is a sort of prototype of every believer. She's the spiritual mother in the sense that this new human race comes from her, but she's a prototype of every believer. I want us to think a little bit about, about Mary's situation. Touched on this a little bit yesterday. I want to hit on it again. When Mary got the revelation from the angel Gabriel, she was probably about between the ages of 13 and 16. This is the typical age where people, where young maidens were betrothed to be wed in, in Jewish culture in the first century. 13 to 16 years old. She gets a rather stunning announcement. You are going to conceive of a child. Now that's got to be pretty radical for any 13-year-old, uh, but to do it without having relationships with a man has got to be quite mind-boggling. But she says, Lord, be it unto me even as you wish. Lord, let your will be done. Now, when Mary says this, think about this. She doesn't know what Joseph is going to do. In fact, Joseph initially was going to divorce her. Thinking that she's making this whole thing up. When she said yes to the Lord, for all she knew, it would mean that her marriage would end. When she said yes to the Lord... For all she knew, it would mean that her reputation would come to the end. She would be a single mother with a, with a child, not a real desirable situation to be in in the first century. But she was willing to risk that. So she says yes to the Lord. Then later on, we find her nine months later 
traveling three days to Bethlehem on a donkey, nine months pregnant, getting ready to go into labor. And she hasn't heard from an angel for a long time. She had to be wondering, is this really God? Is this really a God thing that, that I'm, I got myself involved in? They get to the inn, and things even get worse. There's no room in the inn. And the only place they can have this child is in this barn, this, this, this hole in the side of a mountain that has no ventilation, that's overcrowded with animals, and as we talked about yesterday, would have been very smelly and would have been very dirty, and that's where the Christ child's got to be born. And see, we're, we're, we're kind of used to the story, so it doesn't sound so shocking to us, but this had to be, in her mind, she had to be asking the question, where's God in all this? Is, is this really a God thing? But Mary believed. Mary believed. She opened up her life and, and was willing to abandon all for the cause that God, for what God wanted to use her with. In that sense, she is a prototype of all believers. We often, do we not, want to go halfway with God. We often want to say, God, you can, you can have this part of my life, but not this part. You can come this far, but no further. We like to hold on to the reins. We like to call the shots. We like to relate to God on our own terms. You know, we like to, to uh, relate to God when it's convenient for us. This is kind of a, uh, endemic to American culture. But if we honor Mary, we should honor her in this way, by seeking to model the faith that she modeled. By, by seeking to imitate the faith that, that she had. It was a faith that said, Lord, at whatever the cost, whatever the price, have your way with me. If it means I lose my marriage, have your way with me. If it means I lose my reputation, have your way with me. If it means I've got to go through some obstacles, have your way with me. If it means I've got to confront some tough problems, have your way with me. Whatever the cost, whatever the price, whatever it takes, whatever the trials, have your way in my life, Lord. Let your will be done, not mine. And so God calls every believer, every child, child of Mary, as Revelation 12 says, to model that kind of faith, to have a faith that says, Lord, have your way. If it means I've got to forsake some comfort, so be it. If it means I've got to go through some trials, so be it. If it means that I, I, I may not live life as comfortable as, as, as I might otherwise live it, so be it. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, Lord, have your way in me. Honor Mary by imitating the faith that she had. And the third way I think we should honor Mary is by participating in her blessedness. By participating in her blessedness. Now you say, how, how can we participate in her blessedness since she was blessed because she conceived as a virgin and gave birth to the Christ child? That's kind of unrepeatable, Greg. Uh, you know, how, are we, how are we to participate in this sort of blessedness? And there is a once-and-for-all dimension, for sure, a, a, a uniqueness to Mary. She was the one who originated uh, this new human race. She was the one that, that the, the Lord physically was born in. But I want to suggest to you tonight that there is a, a very real way in which we can and should participate in her blessedness. Mary is blessed for all generations and to be honored. But that's not the only thing the Bible says about her blessedness. There's a time when Jesus was talking to a crowd in Luke chapter 11. It says this, as Jesus was speaking, a woman in the crowd cried out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus didn't deny that his mother was blessed, but he said this, Yes, yes, but, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You see, Here's, 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 here's the situation. When, when, when we open up our lives to Jesus Christ and we surrender the reins over to Jesus Christ, 
it's not like there's just sort of this little contract that God gets with us and he says, okay, now, now you don't have to worry about going to hell. Some believers treat it that way, but something very, very different goes on. The Bible says that when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, in a way that is quite parallel to what happened with Mary, God himself comes and takes residence inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of us. The fullness of God comes and takes residence inside of us. All the joy of God, all the power of God, all the peace of God comes and takes residence inside of us. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? The Holy Spirit is God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, which is from God, and so you are not your own. The goal of every believer, like Mary, is to, is to be taken over by the Lord, to become, if you will, pregnant with God, the Holy Spirit being born with, 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 within us. The Holy Spirit takes residence within us, so we really are the temple of God. We're a new Solomon's temple. Uh, the glory of God comes and resides inside of every believer, is birthed inside of every believer. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that you may have the power, listen to this passage, you guys, this is, Really a powerful one. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something if it surpasses knowledge? He's talking about a supernatural kind of knowledge. To know the love of Christ, it goes beyond anything you can know, any categories you can comprehend. And he's praying that the saints would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the treasure of God that he's put within us. He prays, I pray that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. Believer, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are blessed. And in fact, as Jesus himself said, in a fashion, you're more blessed than Mary was. Because now you, Christ is not only in you, but you are in Christ. And he causes his spirit, his power, and all that belongs to him by nature to become yours by grace. So you have within you this infinite reservoir of God's life. It's that imperishable seed I was talking about. It's that eternal life I was talking about. And God's joy resides within you. God's peace resides within you. God's power resides within you. We are blessed. Amen? Paul says it this way. We have this treasure. He calls it a treasure. It's a treasure like no other treasure you can get on earth. You couldn't get a treasure that could purchase this treasure. The treasure that Paul's talking about, a $60 million lottery doesn't touch this. It's the treasure of God's own life. And he says we have this treasure in earthen, ves in, 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 in earthen vessels. Our vessels don't always look that good. Our vessels kind of get you know, wrinkly. Our vessels get a little pudgy sometimes. Our vessels get a little sick sometimes. The vessels aren't very impressive. But what's inside the vessel... What's inside the vessel is more precious than gold, more precious than all the money in the world put together. It doesn't even hold a candle to all the money put in, uh, uh, all the money in the world doesn't hold a candle to this treasure that uh, we have within us. I can't even say how good it is. That's why I'm stammering so much here because it's an incredible treasure. It's God Himself, Jesus Christ Himself, and the power of the Holy Spirit put within us. And you can do what you want to this uh, earthen vessel, but you can't touch the treasure. 
You know, things may be going good or things may be going bad, but you still have the treasure within you. You may be having a good, good time and full of joy, or maybe things are kind of despairing right now, but what I want you to know is that you're blessed. You've got the joy of God in your life. And maybe things are just going real smooth right now, or maybe your mind is full of anxiety, but what you really need to know is that you're blessed. The peace of God is within you. And maybe you're really on a roll here spiritually, and you're conquering things, or maybe you've had a real tough couple of months, and, and you feel like you're getting beat up, and you don't feel like more than a conqueror or anything. But what I want you to know is this. You are blessed. The power of God is within you. A lot of things can happen to us on the outside. A lot of things can happen to our bodies. A lot of things can happen to our circumstances. But nothing can touch the imperishable seed that is within you. That's why Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. Neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It's a treasure that will not fade. It's a treasure that cannot be taken away. You are blessed. Mary was blessed when she conceived of, of, of uh, the child. She was blessed. But you know what? She was even more blessed when later on in her life, she opened up her life to the son she gave birth to and accepted him not just as her child, but now she became his child. She becomes saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now she has inside of her, she becomes pregnant with God in the same sense that all believers are pregnant with God. Only this one you're never going to get rid of. This one you're never going to lose, praise God. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Spirit of God is, it comes within us. We're, we're, we're pregnant with God. But not only that, one more thing. But in the same way that Mary gave birth to Jesus into the world and Jesus changed the world, we can also participate in that blessedness. We can participate in that blessedness. The Spirit of God wants to be born in us in order that Christ may be born through us. And this is the highest calling the greatest privilege that any human being could ever have to give birth to christ in the world you say what are you talking about here's kind of what i'm talking about um i got a christmas card a little bit ago uh a couple days ago and the lady uh this lady said gave me what i think is the highest compliment i could ever receive hold on just a little bit here um she said you have been to me you have been the presence of christ to me when i needed to see the face of christ and she had gone through some things, and that's why she said that. You see, this is an opportunity for all believers. We are allowed. This is, this is the privilege that was given to Mary, the blessedness that was given to Mary, and it's the blessedness that is given to every believer. To not only have the presence of God in our life, but now to spread the presence of God through our life. We are called and we are privileged and blessed to be able to bring the love of Christ into situations. Christ is, is as it were, born through us and then changes the world. In fact, this is how the Lord spreads His kingdom. This is how the Lord builds His family. We can bring the love of Christ to situations that are loveless. And we can bring the power of Christ to situations that are powerless. We can bring the passion of Christ to situations that are apathetic. We can bring the healing of Christ to people who are wounded, praise God. We can bring the reconciliation of Christ to, to situations that need reconciliation. We can bring the glory of God to situations that are dark. It is the highest privilege of every believer to be, as Paul says, a walking epistle known and read of all people. You shine with the light of Jesus Christ and it changes the world. I want to challenge every believer in this auditorium tonight to honor Mary by by uh, recognizing that you're a, dis spiritual, a spiritual descendant of hers. I want to challenge you to model her faith by selling out to Jesus Christ. 
surrendering everything up to him and letting him have his way in your life wherever that may lead. And I want to challenge you to participate in the blessedness of, uh, of, of Mary by recognizing and walking in the understanding that you are filled with all the fullness of God and then letting God use you to impact the world. And I want to say one more thing. Um, it may be that you're here tonight and you're not part of that new race I've been talking about. You're not part of that descendants, Mary's descendants. It's very easy to become that, and it changes your eternal destiny. The Bible says if you will simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that means you enthrone Him as Lord of your life. You surrender the reins of your life over to Him. You say, Lord, I need your salvation. When you do that, that imperishable seed is born in you. And you become a different kind of a person. You may look the same, you may feel the same, but from God's perspective, you're altogether different and things are going to change. And I just feel it would be appropriate here on this Christmas Eve service to give everybody in this auditorium a chance to do that. If you've never done that before. So with believers, please close your eyes and start praying. And could I just ask this? I'm not going to call you forward or do anything fancy. I just want to lead you in a prayer from up here. If you've never accepted Christ into your life, would you just raise your hand very quickly? And I'll try to see it, sister. Okay, amen, amen. I'll try to see it. If I don't see it, the Lord sees it, and that's what's really important. Amen. Just raise your hand and say, I need to receive Him as Lord and Savior. I want to be part of this family He's building. Thank you, amen. Anyone else? This is, it's so simple because God wants everyone to be a part of it. It's not a matter of how, whether you go to church or not, whether you're a, a good person or, or, you know, a bad person. This is about your heart. Do you want to receive Christ as Lord? Over there and over there. Amen. Amen. Others, just raise your hand very quickly and we'll just pray this prayer all together. I want to give one more minute. In the back there. Thank you. The angels rejoice over this. God does the jigger with that young lady. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, teenagers, it's never too early to sell out to the Lord. I see that hand there. Mary was 13. Don't tell me God doesn't use teenagers. Uh, the Lord, uh, that's the exact right age to surrender your life to Jesus. We have this idea that teenage years are just sort of abiding years, wasted years. They're the most important years. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. In the back there, amen. Amen. Okay. Can we all pray this prayer together? Believers, pray it as a source of support to those who raised your hand. Those who raised your hand, pray it like a wedding vow coming out of your mouth for the first time. Mean it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are Lord God Most High. And I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. But I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. And so I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Fill my life. Forgive my sin. Heal my wounds. Make me whole. And help me live for God, the rest of my life, I surrender everything to you. Amen. I want to welcome you to that family. I want to welcome you to the family.
you raise your hands. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice. God throws a party over every person who turns towards Him because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I would just like to ask those who raised your hand tonight or those who are just interested in finding out more about the Lord, at the end of the service, we're going to end with a couple more Christmas carols, but uh, at the end of the service in the back of the auditorium, we have a table and a person back there has some information that will really be helpful helpful to you uh, to uh, get started in the Christian life. And I want to encourage you who raised your hands to now join us in this next chorus we're going to sing. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You're part of that now, praise God. Sing it with us. Rejoice with us. Exalt the Lord with us. Praise God. Let's stand and let's declare it triumphantly to the Lord. Amen.